Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and a very good evening. Welcome to the airways of uh, The Voice of the Cape and of course uh, the program being Q&A. Just very quickly a reminder that this is a pre-recorded program so we are not taking calls uh, this evening but uh, some of these questions were left over from our previous program. So please uh, if you're thinking that you can get through to us and uh, we're going to take your calls so we're not taking this as I said it is a pre-recorded program. Of course Q&A on uh, The Voice of the Cape with myself. Mohammed Zain Majid on the line, none other than the Honorable Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussein. Assalamu alaikum, Mufti. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khairan, Brother Muhammad Zain. Barakallahu fikum. MashaAllah, how's Mufti keeping? Alhamdulillah, very well. Make dua for us, inshallah. By the time the program is broadcast, we are in Medina Munawwara, inshallah. Shukran, inshallah, ameen. Beautiful news, mashallah. Now, Mufti, first question. It says, is it true that the lifespan of a Muslim is only between 63 and 75? Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nuswalli ala rasulil kareem. Amma ba'd. All praise is due to Almighty Allah, the sustainer, nourisher, and cherisher of this universe. Peace, blessings, and salutations be upon our beloved master and leader, Nabi Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a hadith mentioned in Tirmidhi at Ibn Majah Mustafa Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said A'amaru ummati bayna sitteen wa sab'een wa aqalluhum may yujawizu zalik that the average age of this ummah is between 60 and 70 and very few people go beyond that 70 age limit as we can see nowadays so it is between 60 and 70, not 75, as mentioned in the question. Shukran indeed. Now, Mufti, is Mawlud Bida? Remember, regarding Mawludun Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Miladun Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, one of the greatest bounties and favors which Almighty Allah has conferred upon humanity and this Ummah is the Mubarak birth and personality of Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So if people speak about the Mubarak blessed birth of the Vialay Salaam, the beloved character of the Vialay Salaam and everything else till day everything is fine. But if people's beliefs are corrupted, for example they believe Nabi Alay Salatu Salam is omnipresent, then we are equating Nabi Alay Salam with Almighty Allah and Quran Kareem says, Walam Yakullahu Kufu and Ahad, there is none equal to Allah in any aspect, in any respect. Or if people think that to stand and read the salami is compulsory, so that also is against the Quran. The Quran Kareem states, "Alladina yadkurun Allah qiyama wa qudu wa ala judubihim." That those who remember Almighty Allah standing, sitting, reclining. So if these two factors are not there and people speak about it, then it is fine. There's no problem. Now, Mufti, I'm so confused because uh, how ibadat people believe in witchcraft, even the elderly and judging people if they do not make salah. Can Mufti please give some clarity on this issue? When people do not read salat, it is a serious, serious offense. So much so the Quran Kareem mentions, Ma salakakum fi saqar, that what made you walk straight into Jahannam and the fire of hell? The first thing they will say, Qalu lam muswalleen, that we should not perform and read the salat. And similarly, for people to dabble in witchcraft and so forth, they should know it is a major, major sin, and people are skating on thin ice. 
And according to Imam Malik, such people go out to the fall of Islam. Just like Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal said, when a person leaves out Salat and Ahmad Salat deliberately is out to the fall of Islam, Regarding sorcery, witchcraft, magic, Quran Karim states, Innama nahnu fitnatun fala takfur. The incident mention of Habi or the incident mention of Harut and Marut in the city of Babylon day in Iraq. They, they told the people we are here as a trial to not commit kufr. So therefore some ulama like Imam Malik state that to devil in witchcraft will put a person beyond the fall of Islam and out of the fall of Islam. The voice of uh, Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussein here on uh, The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. And uh, just a reminder that, that is, this program has been pre-recorded, so we're not taking any questions uh, this evening. Moving straight on to our next question, Mufti. It says, um, Salam Mufti, 42-year single parent, three sons, stepsisters always swears at me, the ugliest was. She never forgive me for curse me until I'm, she, never, she will never forgive me and curse me until I'm dead. Obviously, what your stepsister or anybody else is doing is cursing you, swearing you, abusing you, all that is haram. The Quran Kareem has made this very clear that it is not permissible that you cause harm to another believer, and yea, it seems to be unjustified also, so that in itself is a major, major sin. And therefore, all Mahdi Allah states, that those people who cause harm to the believers, you know, that without any justification, so those people who cause harm to the believing men and believing women, and without any justification, that they are carrying a big, big accusation and a major, major sin. Surah 33, Surah Hazab, verse 58. So it shows for that stepsister or anybody else to use this, all that curse and everything is falling on her and not falling on you. You continue with your life and worry about your three children and so forth. And inshallah, all my Allah's help will be with you because you are the Muslim, the oppressed person. Now, Mufti, my husband always makes fun of me in front of people. He says it's only jokes when I complain, but he doesn't stop doing this. Definitely not permissible. Surah 4, Surah Nisa, verse 19. Almighty Allah, Jalla Wala, teaches the husbands how they should treat their wives. Wa'ashiru hunna bil ma'roof. Surah 4, Surah Nisa, verse 19. Imagine if you had to do that for him in front of his friends and so forth, and to make it worse continuously, then what will his reaction be? It will be a violent reaction. He'll be very upset. So what your husband is doing and then trying to justify it is only joking, definitely unacceptable in Islam. He needs to apologize to you in public. Shukran indeed, Mufti. And of course, our next question is, it says, Mufti, what can I do to get perfection in my salah. We'll get a comment from Mufti after this. Welcome back to the airways of The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. And just a reminder that it is a pre-recorded program, so we're not taking any questions this evening. Uh, Mufti, the question we posed, Mufti, before the break, it says, Mufti, what can I do to perfect my salah? 
Mustafa Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said the hadith in Bukhari Sharif, Swallu kamara aytumuni uswalli, perform your salat as you see me performing the salat. So therefore you need to read and you need to understand how should Mustafa Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam read the salat. Secondly is this, that you should try and read the following dua. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khinzab. Oh Allah, I seek your protection from the shaitan whose name is Khinzab. And the hadith is mentioned about Khinzab in Sahih Muslim. He comes and confuses and blows our fuses in Salat. So therefore you need to seek Almighty Allah's protection. Third one is this, that you try and increase the quantity and quality of your Salat. For example, in Ruku and Sujood, if you are reading three times, Subhan Rabbil Azim in Ruku, Subhan Rabbil Allah three times, so you increase it to five times. So in that way, the quantity and the quality of your Salat will become better. Shukran indeed, Mufti. Next question, is it true that a child or any person must not stand in the doorway inside a house during any walk? Uh, if so, can Mufti please explain? There is no basis for that in Islam. Obviously, what is mentioned in Islam is at the time of sunset, when the sun is going to set, then you should not allow your children by the door and outside and all these things here. Then rather keep your children indoors because that is the time the shayateen are having their daily meetings. So that is a specific time and that is at sunset time. But it doesn't mean at any time you can keep your children by the door or outside that would be incorrect chicken mufti currently i have a catheter in however my older brother whom i respect very much has told me that i can make salah at other times but i'm not allowed to go with my catheter for juma salah i haven't missed ever missed juma can i what you are now, you are classified as a person, ma'zur, that is with a valid excuse, or da'ib al-hadas. So whether you call it da'ib al-hadas, the shafi term, or ma'zur, the hanafi term, the fact remains that you have a valid excuse. So your daily salat, you read it home, that's fine. And for every first salat, you'll have to perform and make a new fresh wudu after the time enters of that salat, especially according to the shafi'is. Now for Jumma Salat, if you are sure that you will not pollute the masjid and you were able to control everything, then it's fine that you can go to the masjid. But my advice will be, don't go right inside to the first surf. Stand there, sit there, right at the back, you know, in the last surf or something. So if you have to go or out or something, then it'll be easy for you. So if you are sure you are not going to pollute the masjid, then it will be permissible for you to go and read Jumma Salat there. But if you have doubt and so forth, then read your Salat at home, the Zohar Salat, and all Allah will still reward you for Jumu'ah because of your circumstances. Indeed. Mufti, my husband passed away. We've got four children. He still has his mother. Um, how should we distribute? Uh, should his mother also inherit from his estate? When the husband has passed away, then you, the wife, will receive one-eighth, 12.5%. The mother will receive one-sixth, so that is almost 17%. So that 29% now is gone. The remainder will go to the children, the 71%. And if it is sons and daughters, then the ratio two to one for sons and daughters. 
So one-eighth to the wife, one-sixth to his mother, and the residue and remainder to the children, the ratio two to one for sons and daughters. Shikandar Mufti, it appears that Muslim girls are getting into tattoo habits with henna. Would this be permissible? If they are making it as a tattoo with the henna, then that's not permissible. We must remember because a tattoo cannot be removed very easily and so forth. And many a time when they make huzu and gusal, then the water will not penetrate and seep through. So obviously then the huzu will not be valid and the gusal and the bathing, bathing will not be valid. So all these are consequences of that. Yes, the lady wants to use henna ordinarily just for beautification, that's fine. But if she's making a tattoo in the proper sense that it can't be removed and all that, then remember that is not permissible. Mustafa Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, la'anallahu al-washima wal-mustoshima, the person who does the tattooing and upon whom it is done, both occurs the hadith in Sahih Muslim. And I just remember the verse in the Noble Quran, when shaitan was expelled from Jannah and Paradise, he took various oaths, and one qasam and oath he took was, وَلَآمُرَنَّهُمْ فَلَيُغَيِّرُنَّ خَلْقَ اللَّهِ Surah 4, Surah Nisa, verse 119, I will command them to change the creation of Allah. So that's exactly what they are doing. Therefore, definitely not permissible. Shukar Mufti, a gentleman says, my wife and I will be going for a holiday to Paris uh, pretty soon. Uh, want to know, is frogs permissible to eat for Muslims? Because I believe that's one of the delicacies, Mufti. Definitely not permissible according to any school because Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah said that naha, you know, kullu ma fil bahri halal, everything that in the ocean is halal and illa divda except the frogs. So frogs are not permissible even according to Shafi'is. And why is it not permissible? There's a hadith in Abu Dawood. Mustafa Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam daha Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qatli divda. Nabi alayhi sallam prohibited the killing of the frogs. So therefore, my brother, you eat other food besides the frogs, inshallah, and then you can admire the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Shukran indeed. Uh, Mufti, um, uh, we, uh, next question. It says, I am, a, or rather, a gentleman is interested in me, even though he's 15 years older than me. He's a good man. His wife passed on. However, my parents refuse to see um, what he's for. He makes Salah. He's a good person. I really want to marry him, Mufti. Some advice, please. In a case like that, obviously, if your parents are not giving permission, then it will not be permissible for you to get married. Mustafa said, La nikaha illa bi wali. There is no nikah except with the consent of the father and so forth. So they have a valid reason, you know, that he's 15 years elder and so forth. He might be having children from his previous marriage. So they feel that there might be a lot of complications and then they will be valid in this type of objections, you know. So therefore, my advice to you, sister, read two rakat daily salat and read Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa zurriyatina khurata ayun. Oh Allah, grant us such spouses and children that are the coolness of the eyes. And inshallah, if you please your parents, Allah will give you someone better. It is, of course, the voice there of Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussein here on the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and the program being Q&A with myself, Muhammad Zayn Machid. What we're going to do is pay the bills. When we come back, we continue with Q&A. And do remember that this is a pre-recorded program and thus we're not taking any questions this evening. 
We continue now with the program Q&A on The Voice of the Cape. And, of course, on the line, Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussein answering all of your questions. Uh, next question, Mufti. It says, Mufti, generally when a group recites Surah Yasin, they start by saying Yasin, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and repeats the verse, Salamun kawlam bi rabbi rahim, thrice in the surah, and then the last ayat of Surah Yasin uh, also thrice. Is this, would this be acceptable, Mufti? To say Yasin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not permissible in this instance because we, the Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, believe that the Al-Huruful Muqatta'at, the broken letters in the beginning of the surah, that the meaning only known to all, Mighty Allah, wa ma ya'lamu ta'wilahu illallah, and no one knows the meaning except all, Mighty Allah, to say Yasin, Taha, and so forth are the name of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is not proven anywhere in any authentic hadith, but it is more speculation, so therefore it's not permissible to read like that, Yasin sallallahu alayhi wa Likewise, to read Salamun Qawlam Bir Rabbi Rahim thrice, and for Subhanalladhi Biyadi Malakutu Kulli Shayu Wa Ilayhi Turja'oon, the last verse of Surah Yasin thrice. Definitely, it is not a sunnah, but if people read it, then it is permissible. But if you don't read it, it's better, because Nabi Sallallahu used to read it once, the Sahaba used to read it once, so that is what we should be doing. That we should be following Nabi Sallallahu and not doing our own things. Next question, uh, listener says, my children are so cute and so intelligent. What do I can I make or recite to protect them from nafs people? Uh, Mufti? MashaAllah, Almighty Allah make them more pious and more beautiful and handsome as well. So what you as a father, mother, parent should do for your wonderful flowers, three, four du'as come to mind. Surah 46, 4, 6, Surah 46, verse 15, 1, 5, the verse 15. وَأَسْلِحْ لِي فِي ذُرِّيَّتِي O Allah, bring about reform, piety, goodness in my progeny and children, so Allah Ta'ala will keep them on the right path. Second one, Surah 25, verse 74, that is Surah Furqan, Surah 25, verse 74, رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرْوَةَ عَيُنْ O Allah, make these children and the spouses of ours the coolness of our eyes, so they always bring joy to us. And third thing, you must remember your wonderful daughters are so beautiful and they're growing up. Your sons maybe are so handsome and they are growing up. So there will be a lot of envy and jealousy. So read, قُلْ أَعُوذُ رَبِّ الْفَلَقِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ رَبِّ النَّاسِ And blow on them for protection and teach them that surahs and tell them to read, قُلْ أَعُوذُ فَلَقُ رَبِّ النَّاسِ kursi All this for protection from the evil eye and from envy and jealousy. Shikam Mufti, the next question reads, it says, uh, Mufti, I notice that my memory is going. I often forget a lot of stuff. Uh, is there anything in hadith that the Prophet ﷺ told us that we can eat or recite to increase the memory? Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us the hadith in Tirmidhi, Ittaqil maharim takun stay away from haram speech, haram actions, haram places, then you will be the most pious of people. 
So my advice to you is threefold, brother. Number one, that you read, Ya Kaviyu, Ya Kaviyu, Ya Kaviyu. Almighty Allah commands us in the Noble Quran, Walillahi al-Asma'ul Husna fad'uhu biha. Almighty Allah has wonderful, beautiful names. So invoke and call Almighty Allah by those names. And inshallah, Almighty Allah will bless you with a retentive memory. Many a time in Q&A on Voice of the Cape, I have mentioned this. Imam Shafi'i, Rahimahullah's poetry, Diwanu Shafi'i, which I have a copy, excellent, where his poems are mentioned. He was a master of the Arabic language. He says, Shakautu ila waki in su'ahivdi. I went to my teacher, Waki bin Jarrah, and complained about my weak memory, Imam Shafi says. فَأَرَشَدَنِي إِلَىٰ تَرْكِ الْمَعَاصِي And he told me to stay away from sin and vices. فَإِنَّ الْعِلْمَ نُورٌ مِّنْ إِلَٰهِ Because the knowledge is effulgence and nur from Almighty Allah. وَنُورُ اللَّهِ لَا يُؤْطَى لِعَاصِي And the nur and effulgence of Allah is not given to such people who continue with their sins. So stay away from sin, number one. Read the Yaad Qawiyu, Ya Qawiyu, inshallah, too. And third one, after every salat, read the last three surahs. Qul wallahu ahad, qul al-bifalaq, qul abinnas. And inshallah, you blow on yourself and Allah, and with Ayat al-Kursi, and Allah Ta'ala will give you a good retentive memory, inshallah. I mean, inshallah. Shukran indeed. Uh, that is the voice there of Mufti Abdul Qadr Hussein on the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. The program, of course, being Q&A. And uh, just a reminder that this is a pre-recorded program, so thus we are not taking any questions uh, this evening. Going straight on to our next question. It says, Mufti, I was told uh, that there is a hadith that the Nabi Sallallahu said that we should divide our life into three twenties. The first twenty for education, second 24 uh, material gain and the last 24 spiritual development is this true this is not an authentic hadith who's got guarantee we will live for 60 years old it is a saying of some people but remember it definitely is not a hadith is not the saying of nabi muhammad mustafa sallallahu alaihi wasallam and to make such a division 20 years for education 20 years for materialism materialism doesn't mean that we are engrossed so much in our work and our you know a profession occupation that we forget our salat and we forget our compulsory actions so therefore there's not a hadith of nabi alayhi salam is rather some advice some people gave some students of theirs Shikha Mufti, next question. Mufti, I follow the Shafi Madhab. What happens if I forgot completely to perform my kunut in my salah and I only remember after the salah only? In Fajr Salat, if you did not read the kunut and in Salat you remember, then you should make the Sajdai Sahu. And if you remembered after you completed the Salat, then according to the Shafi'is, the Salat is valid and done. There is no need for you to repeat the Salat because Sajdai Sahu also is Sunnah and not compulsory. So therefore, if you remembered in Salat, so Alhamdulillah, you perform Sajdai Sahu. If you remembered after the Salat, then remember your Salat is valid no need to repeat it. Mufti, how important is a family in Islam? Very, very important. I give you two, three verses from the Noble Quran. Number one is this Quran Karim states, Surah 47, verses 22, 23. 
and tufsidu fil ardi that you cause mischief, mayhem, chaos on this earth, wa tuqattiu arhamakum, and you sever the family ties, ulaikalladzina la'anahumullah. Those are the people Allah curses them, Quran says, fa aswammahum wa a'ma afsarahum, and Allah makes them spiritually deaf and spiritually blind. Second one is a yusala, Quran Karim says, that there are people who join the family ties, so it shows how important it is. Third one, Mustafa Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when he entered Madina Munawwara, Abdullah bin Salam, he says one of the first advices Nabi alayhi wa sallam gave the ummah and the people in Madina, Afshu salam, then make salam customary amongst you, wa atimu tu'am, and feed the people, the food, the poor especially, wasilul arham, and join the family ties, waswallu billayli wa nasu niyam, and read the salat late at night when people are sleeping, referring to the hajjud salat, then tadukhulul jannata bisalam, and you will enter jannah with peace and tranquility, the hadith in Mishka Sharif, so it shows how important family ties are. Shukran Mufti, there is so many beautiful uh, salawat and Arabic poems that were written by pious uh, people. What would be the best uh, salutation and salawat to recite upon the Prophet The best durood, salawat, salutations to read upon Nabiul Mustafa will be the one the Master himself taught us when the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, Allah Ta'ala is telling us in Surah 33, Surah Ahazab, verse 56, Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yuswalluna ala nabi Verily, Almighty Allah and His angels are sending salawat, salutations upon Nabi Mustafa, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya ayyuhalladzina amanu, O you believe, swallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. You read salat and salam upon Nabi Mustafa, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the salam is, As-salamu alayka ayyuhal nabiyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And the salawat is the one that Nabi alayhi salam taught us. Allahumma swalli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama swallaita ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka Hamidun Majid and then Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka Hamidun Majid so that is the best and before the name honorable name of the master if you want to say Sayyidina so that also is fine and acceptable Shukran Mufti, uh, next uh, SMS reads as follows. It says, uh, I am now at the age of 60. I am sick in my heart and sick in my head. If I think back at my life, I have done many wrong things. I committed zina. I stole. I deceived people. Will Allah ever forgive me? I am making, uh, asking the Almighty for forgiveness, Mufti. You are going on track now. Each one of us has committed sins. La rahmatillah. Never lose hope in the mercy of Almighty Allah. Inna Allah yaghfiru dhunuba jami'a Verily all Mighty Allah forgives all the sins So daily read two rakats Salatu Tawbah Make abundant istighfar And beg all Mighty Allah for forgiveness And inshallah all Mighty Allah will forgive you Those people whom you stole from and so forth There is an added dimension Hukukul ibad The rights of people Either you repay them Or you go and ask them for forgiveness Shukran Mufti, are we allowed as women to cut our hair short even though it is something or perhaps a style that my husband would like? Remember, it is not permissible. The hadith is mentioned in Jami'u Sagheer 
نہا رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم المرآ دیت نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم پرابطت دا ویمن تو کت دے ہے ان آل دیس تنگ زیر نہا رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم الوفرا للحرہ او کما قال علیہ السلام سو تو کت دے ہے شورت is not permissible for a lady even if the husband commands her to do so because نبی علیہ السلام said in another hadith and that is لا طاعت لمخلوق فی معصد الخالق there is no obedience to any creation when it leads to a sin against the creator so therefore we must not imitate the non-muslim culture but rather we must have our own and remember in Islam for the men to have the beard the women to have the long long hair with the plaits that is what Islam wants the malaika make the dua subhana man zayyana rijal bil liha wan nisa bil dawaib that oh Allah you have mercy on and you know you beautify the men with beards and the women with long long hair and plaits the hadith mentioned in the fido in the by Allama Daylami so it shows that that is what we should be doing and that is our culture remember this is a pre-recorded program and thus we're not taking any questions uh, this evening Mufti, next question also to do with ladies. Uh, the SMS says, I notice that a lot of our Muslim women these days wear long nails, uh, even though they're not wearing uh, nail polish or anything, but the nail seems to be quite long. Mufti? Remember in Islam, in the non Muslims and the West learned this from Islam, that, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. Mustafa, Nabi Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa came as the only rahmatul alameen, the mercy, not only to human beings, but the entire creation of all, Allah, jalla wala. And the hadith is, وَقَّتَلَنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Mustafa, Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa fixed the time period for us as Muslims. Once in 40 days, four zero days, we have to clip our nails, toenails, fingernails. We have to remove move the underarm hair, the pubic hair, and if we do so every week, every fortnight, once in a month, so that's good also, but definitely if we allow it to go on for more than 40 days, then remember it is sinful and not permissible. Next question says, Salam Mufti, how will I do justice to a woman if I marry her and I can't get an erection? Remember, you can't get married in that case there, my dear brother. First, you have to sort yourself out because your biological clock has stopped at upper six. So now, how can you get married to her? You will deprive her of everything. Then she will want talaq. She will go to the MJC for fasakh. So now it's not permissible for you to get married to the first wife or second wife if your erection story is not sorted out. So you'll have to sort that out, brother. Otherwise, you're past six, then you can't get married. <laughs> Shikar Mufti, next question also from a brother. It says, I'm getting tired now. I'm spoiling my wife with lots of stuff all the time, presents and everything. And she's just keep on demanding, demanding and placing more demands on me. What do I do? How do I handle this? I do love her, Mufti. MashaAllah, Almighty Allah enhance the love between you and your wife. So what you need to do is the following three, four steps. Number one, both of you every day sit, take out two minutes, five minutes, and make dua together. Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa dhurriyatina qurata ayun. Ya wadud, ya wadud. Wadud is the attribute quality of Allah. Allah brings that love. 
The question is, she's telling you she loves you, she loves you, but you are giving giving her so many presents and gifts. So does she really love you or she loves your money and your gifts? And therefore, the third dua, and that is, Allahumma alif bayna qulubina. Oh Allah, you unite our hearts and bring about the love within our hearts and unite it. Now you should start ta'aleem in your house. Your wife now seems to fall in love with so many things, materialism. Now inculcate as a husband the love of Allah, the love of Nabi alayhi salam, the love of the year after. Take Riyadhu Salihin, famous hadith kitab of Allama Nawawi, translated in English, and every day five, ten minutes ta'aleem. Slowly, slowly, the love for the world will decrease, and the love for Allah and Nabi alayhi salam and Deen islam will increase. Shukran Mufti. Now Mufti, where did the Salah and Dua of Istikhara originate from? Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam taught the Sahabas, the Hadith is mentioned in Tirmidhi and various compilations. Inna Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wasallam yuallimuna al-istikhara kama yuallimuna as-surah min al-Qur'an. As Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa used to teach us the various surahs and chapters of the Noble Quran, he taught us about istikhara in life. We all have to make decisions sooner or later. So in Islam, we all want to make the best decision for now and the future. So the simple dua for istikhara, as mentioned in Tirmidhi, you want to buy a car, you don't know, you buy Nissan or Toyota, you want to get married, you don't know Aisha or Fatima. Then you want to buy a computer, you don't know ABC or XYZ, but you want to buy one. So just say, Allahumma, oh beloved Allah, khirli khara, and then lamia. Allahumma khirli, oh beloved Allah, you select the best for me. Wakhtarli, and you choose for me. Allahumma khirli, wakhtarli. And then whatever comes in your heart after you recited the dua, that is your answer. And you will see it works every time, inshallah. Insha'Allah, shukran indeed. The voice of uh, Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussein on the Voice of the Cape uh, program Q&A. What we're going to do is quickly pay the bills. When we come back, uh, we continue with Q&A. Welcome back uh, to the program Q&A on the Voice of the Cape. Uh, reminder that this is a pre-recorded program and that we're not taking any questions this evening. Next question, Mufti. Salam. Can a mother still breastfeed a two-year-old or is it haram? When the baby is two years old and now the mother has to try and do the weaning where the child should stop. So if she continues for another six months or so, it will be permissible according to Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, because Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, says the maximum period for breastfeeding is 30 months, that is two and a half years. So we won't say it's haram, we will say it is acceptable, but remember the maximum period is two years for breastfeeding according to majority scholars, Shafi'is, Maliki's, Hanbali's. Mufti, I have two friends that continuously and always argue about Dean. The one always wants to be more clever than the other. Can I for once be clever and give them some beautiful advice to not argue about Dean, Mufti? 100%, that will be the best advice you can give them because you know in the kingdom of the blind, the one eye is also king. 
So to me, it seems that both these brothers don't have sufficient knowledge, but they both want to argue that Ekyan mir mir as yo, and this type of things I know better than you and all that. So tell them, brothers, first of all, that deen is not something we should argue about. Second thing is, if you want to know something, then go to the learned ulama, the imams, the sheikhs, and so forth, and then go ask them questions. For what me and you have to argue, that will be the best advice you can give them. The hadith is in Musahim Muslim. Ad-deenu an-nasiha. That what is deen? Deen is giving good, sincere advice. When you analyze the word nasiha, it means you take a piece of fabric and you join it with one another. So tell them, brothers, we have to join our hearts with one another. So that is what deen is all about. Not fighting, arguing the whole time. Shukran. Now, Mufti, I'm fed up with my husband. How do I go about applying for a fasakh? My first advice to you, sister, you are married five years, 10, 20, 30 years. Allah alone knows there might be innocent, masoom children involved. So now just to break the home, we never give that advice. We will always say, reconciliation is the best. But if your husband is shirking his responsibility, he's not giving you nafaka, maintaining you and the children, or he is assaulting you, battering you, abusing you, and a lot of funny things, or he's busy with other women, Allah forbid, then in that case there, that you have a temporary separation, one month, two months, and still he doesn't learn a lesson, then you can request a talaq, a divorce, and still he doesn't want to give it, then you go to the ulama and you apply for a fasakh. So you tell them that you want annulment, and you write down the main main complaints, and then they will call him, have a court case, and then they will tell you whether your, your, your application is valid or not. Mufti, often my wife refuses me intimacy. She comes up with all the different excuses. Is it true that she is cursed by the malaikas? Definitely, Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, When the husband calls his wife and she is alat tanur, she's there busy by the stove also, she should come to the husband. And if she refuses, The malaika curses till the morning. And every time when the husband wants to to be intimate, she says head paining, toe paining, stomach paining. So remember, sister, this is totally unacceptable. That and a hungry man is an angry man. So therefore, one day your husband will get very angry, and then he will go take another wife, and then you will see what has happened now. Shukran indeed, Mufti. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. And of course, a reminder that this is a pre-recorded program. Thus, we didn't take any questions this evening. We've all move on to our next question. Mufti, a married man was with a woman kissing and touching each other's private parts. They did not have intercourse. Are they guilty of adultery? They are guilty of the introduction of adultery. All my states, Wala taqrabu zina, do not even approach fornication and adultery. So it means it is such a sin, we must not even do the starting, kissing, cuddling, touching, private part. All that is absolutely haram. We will not say it was adultery in the complete sense of the word, but what they did is also haram. And obviously they both are married, so they know what it is all about. And 
remember when their wives or their husband comes to know this, that how they were betrayed, then now you can imagine how hurt they will feel. They might request the luck and so forth. So both you, brother, sister, you must now sever ties completely with one another. No SMSing, no BBM, no email, no nothing. And you must make Toba and repent and ask Almighty Allah for forgiveness. And if your husband or wife comes to know, then you will have to apologize there as well. This question, Mufti, uh, as a father, I'm not encouraging a girlfriend and boyfriend. Uh, my daughter is 19 years old and she's got a friend uh, that's also 19. Um, he comes, is it permissible for him to come and visit uh, in our company and sit there, but knowing that he's coming to visit her, actually, Mufti? No, it's not permissible in Islam. Islam says, Wala akhdan, wala akhdan. Both ways, Allah mentioned it. It is not permissible for the male to have the girlfriend and nor for the lady, the girl, to have the boyfriend. Even if he's coming to your house, but he's now trying to sweet talk her, everything, and you all know he's not coming to visit you, he's coming to visit your daughter. So that is not permissible that every week he's coming there and everything. So remember, Islam teaches us that we must be very firm on these issues, otherwise be a lot of regret afterwards. So what you are doing, put your foot down and say, no, we will not allow this in future. Shukran indeed, Mufti. We're going to pay the bills. When we come back, we'll be into the last few minutes of our program Q&A. Welcome back to the Airways of uh, the Voice of the Cape. We're in the last few minutes of our program Q&A this evening with the Honorable Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain. Uh, Mufti, is it permissible for Muslims to say Merry Christmas uh, to uh, Christian neighbors? Remember, for us to greet the non-Muslims on their festivals is not permissible. Quran Karim teaches us Surah 5, Surah Ma'idah, verse 51. Ya ayyuhalladzina amanu la tattakhidhu al-yahuda wal-nasara awliya. Do not take the Jews and Christians to be your friends and protectors. Ba'aduhum awliya ba'd. Some of them are the friends and protectors of one another. Who befriends them, you become so intimate with them, you become part and parcel of them. Surah 5, verse 51. The hadith in Abu Dawood, which is authentic, Nabi alayhi salam said, Man Who imitates a people becomes part and parcel of them. Amirul Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu used to say, Ijtanibu a'ada Allahi fi idihim. Stay far away from the enemies of Allah regarding their festivals. So whether it's Christmas, whether it's New Year, Diwali, Easter, whatever it is, it has nothing to do with us as Muslims. Last question uh, for our program this evening. Mufti, how often should I visit my parents? How many times a month is compulsory? Remember, it all depends on the distance. If you are their neighbor, then you should go daily. If you are staying in the same place, but you are 10, 20, 40, 50 kilos away from them, then at least once a week you should go. And if you are in a different province, different country, and so forth, then whenever it is possible for you. But today with email and phone and fax and all these things here, you can use all these things, Skype and whatever you. So the point I'm making here is as much as possible, remember in life, my dear brother, dear sister, 
Everything is replaceable, but our parents are irreplaceable. Therefore, Islam has given them such a great exalted rank. We are not like the non-Muslims who have one day Father's Day, one day Mother's Day. For us as Muslims, every day is Father's Day, every day is Mother's Day. So therefore, take their duas and their blessings, dear brother, dear sister. Shukran indeed. Shukran to Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain for answering all of our questions. Mufti, that leaves us with about four minutes for some beautiful nasikha this evening to end our program. Alhamdulillah, with the mercy of Almighty Allah, Jalla wa'ala, we are in Rabiul Awal. So many mashayikh, honorable imams and ulama will be having different programs in various masajid. In today's advice, in the four minutes we have, let me mention what was the function of Nabi Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Open Surah 62. It is Suratul Jumu'ah. And just now we will be entering the night of Jumu'ah. And then tomorrow the day of Jumu'ah. Read Surah Jumu'ah, Surah number 62, verse 2. And see what was the role and the function of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Yatlu alayhim ayatihi. Majority of the Sahaba, companions, and students of Mustafa were Arabs, yet Nabi had to recite and rehearse the Quran Sharif for them. So the first thing me and you, when we love Allah, we love Nabi Salam, ask ourselves, are we reading the Quran Kareem no, properly with Tajweed? We cannot become a Qari, all of us, but the basic rules of Tajweed we should know. So that is the first function. There are so many ulama, so many hufas, so many qurra day in Cape Town. So go and learn by them how we should be reading the Quran Kareem correctly, perfectly, inshallah. The second function of the Master Nabi Muhammad وسلم, to purify ourselves. And how do we purify ourselves? Externally, internally. Externally from kufr and shirk, and that is from disbelief and polytheism. So that we have done, alhamdulillah. But internally, our pride, our arrogance, our jealousy, our envy, our greed, our love for this world, so much, so excessive. So that we go to the awliyaullah, the pious people. You see, in winter, the nearer we sit by the heater and the fireplace, we receive the warmth. Summertime, we go nearer to the fan, we receive the coolness. Sit with the pious people, Ya Yuwalladina Amanuttaqullah. Oh, you believe, Ya Almighty Allah, wa ma'as-sadiqeen. And be with the truthful ones, the pious people. So in that way, that piety will rub off unto us. And that is how we will learn tazkiyah, tasawwuf, call it whatever you want to. The purification of our inner self. So that's the second function of Nabi alayhi salam. Third one, وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ kitab And teach them the Qur'an Kareem. So we have the ulama and the mashayikh, they are teaching tafsir, they are teaching Qur'an, they are teaching so many things there, alhamdulillah. So that is what we should try and do, that all Mithya Allah Azza wa Jalla then increases our knowledge. Every day we learn something about the Qur'an. And the fourth function of Nabi alayhi salam was hikmah. Imam Shafi, rahimahullah, the genius that he was, is to say hikmah refers to the sunnah of Nabi alayhi salam. So we sit by the great ulama and every day we learn a hadith. Every day we learn the sunnah of Nabi alayhi salam. So we don't speak of Nabi alayhi salam only in Rabiul Awal, but every day we learn about Nabi alayhi salam. So in that way, the love for the master alayhi salam, the respect for the master alayhi salam, and everything 
everything about the Master Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam will mean the world to us. May all Allah give us all tawfiq. Barakallahu fikum. Jazakallah khair to you, Brother Muhammad Zain, all the listeners. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And shukran indeed, Bufti, for always... Uh, doing wonderful service to our people of Cape Town and of course you're going on Umrah you and uh, your beloved uh, Appa Fatima Allah grant you uh, Umrah Makbul inshallah safe journey and please uh, don't forget to make dua for us inshallah Ameen 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 Barakallahu Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh